studio guy. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another podcast of Petty Time with Wavy Will. I am your host, Stephen Williams, a.k.a. Petty Wavy Will. <laughs> uh, and today I have a special guest with me. Um, I decided to do a podcast with my mother today. Yay! Woo-hoo. Hi, Mom. So how are you today? Doing good, Stephen. Doing good. That's good. Um, would you like to give us a background on who you are and what you do? Well, uh, who am I? I'm a mother of three plus one. Um, the plus one is Oquailin. Mm-hmm. The the three James, Stephen, and Timotheus. I um, I live in Jacksonville, and I am a behavior health nurse. I've done nursing for probably 25 years the last 20 have been in the psychiatric field 10 inpatient and 10 in home health which i do right now i am a minister i love god i love my church family i love my natural family isn't that unusual that i love my natural family yeah very unusual very um so um where all do you travel to do your nursing? Well, currently I live in Jacksonville, so I cover the Jacksonville area. I go to Fernandina and Yuli and Amelia Island and St. Augustine. So everything in between. Okay. Um, so this this podcast is probably going to be a little heavy because uh, we are going to be talking about some um, a touchy subject to me because um, we're going to be talking about the the death of my best friend um and obviously it's a little emotional for you well not a little emotional but emotional for you because this was your son so like um to jump right in and how did modi die modi died of a cancer which is called wilms tumor which is a, a cancer of the kidneys Mm. Um, so like I did a little research on it because like I obviously wanted to know a little bit more about how Modi died and Wilms tumor is also known as nephroblastoma. Did I say that right? Nephroblastoma, correct. Okay. And um basically what that is, it's a rare kidney cancer that is highly treatable now, which is kinda ironic because back then it wasn't necessarily treatable is that correct no that's not correct oh it was also very treatable then and i when i found out that he had wilms tumor the oncologist told me well this is you know this is one of the highly curable cancers uh but there was a but if Ah. it's caught before stage four and when timotheus we call him modi Uh, was diagnosed with cancer. He was in stage four already. So he was already in stage four when that is correct. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, so um, some of the other research that I did it, it said that um, most kids with Wilms tumor survive and go on to live normal, healthy lives, according to KidsHealth.org. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they did the MRI scan, because usually they do MRI scans on cancer patients, correct? Or is it a different procedure? It depends on the cancer. So Okay, so like when they did the MRI scan on Modi, what did the MRI show? Well, we were living in Hinesville, Georgia, mm-hmm. and Modi, like we like to call him, 
he for some reason had stopped eating and we took him to the doctor there locally and they said you know hey three-year-olds they're finicky as long as he's not losing weight let's not worry about it that means he's eating something right and so we didn't but a month later a friend of mine her name Jennifer Coleman mm-hmm. um, she was visiting and Modi was standing at the top of the stair in just his underwear mm-hmm. and his stomach looked like he was maybe seven eight months pregnant wow. and when I saw that you know because I was I saw him every day because I you know took care of him mm-hmm. but the next day that was on a weekend the next day instead of taking him to a local doctor there in Hinesville which because we didn't have any health insurance we had to rely on the health department as far as that as far as our health services mm-hmm. and so instead of taking them to the one in Hinesville we took them to uh, Savannah and we took them to the to the to the health department and we had at that time, we had uh, Stephen. I don't. Were you there? Stephen was there. Mm-hmm. James was there, which is the oldest. Mm-hmm. And we all went to the health department, and they were quite concerned when they saw him because he looked like a little child from Ethiopia with the big stomach, with the skinny legs. That kind of. Well, I won't be, you know, stereotypic, but you know, you you've seen these things on commercials and stuff. Right. He looked kind of like a child that was malnourished. But luckily enough, we brought the other two children with us. And James, he was kind of a fat so at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so you, they could say, and Stephen, he was always a skinny up until then. Yeah. But uh, so they could see that it wasn't abuse or anything like that going on in the family. So they took his blood pressure and his blood pressure was like 160 something over 100 and something, which is very high for any an adult, much less a child. Mm-hmm. So they said, you know, we don't know what's going on, but we're going to send them over to the emergency room mm-hmm. because something is not right here. And they took him to the emergency room and they took him in for a CAT scan or MRI or X-ray. I can't remember which. Right. And they said, oh, we're going to transfer him up to the children's department because something is going on. Right. And so as as all this was going on, you know, then the word kind of came out with cancer or whatever we don't know what it is and at the time savannah did not have a children's hospital um that was like 23 years or 22 years ago something like that Mm -hmm. they didn't have a children's specialty hospital so they said the nearest hospital is in augusta georgia right uh which was a medical college of georgia we're going to send him there because we're not sure what's going on and as I sat there, they were wanting to transport him by ambulance or we could drive him. So, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, this was that serious. We'll drive him. Right. And we, we did. And they gave us a discharge, some discharge paperwork. And I began to read it. And I was not a nurse then. I was only a mother and a wife and member of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was not knowledgeable of the medical field, but as I began to read the different diagnoses that they had put on the discharge paper, when it came, when I read the words Wim's tumor, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, that is what it is. And I, of course, I didn't know what that was. So I just went on 
and we arrived at Augusta and they did a whole nother CAT scan MRI. They wanted their own findings. And the the cardiac no, it wasn't the cardiologist, the oncologist came in and he told me at the time my, my husband Stefan's father he was he was not there because we had the little the other children, James and Stefan, so he was back in in Hinesville and I was there with him with Timotheus and the doctor came in he said I think I want you want to sit down he said from this day forward your life will never be the same because you have a child that has cancer and that was more of a prophetic word that the, the doctor spoke to me even if he didn't know that and of course to, to me I didn't know what that meant either what cancer I had I was 20 in my late 20s mid 20s late 20s something like that nobody significant had died in my life at that time uh, the people that had died either I was not close to them or they were quote unquote old and was supposed to die right so I I had no no field of reference you have questions for me Stephen oh not yet okay you can keep going okay so he was diagnosed and they gave me a lot of information about Wilms tumor but somewhere in there I didn't hear the fact that he was already stage four and so because it's it was an enormous amount of information that you're given right and if you're not in the medical field it's a new territory that you have not navigated and we definitely had not navigated that system before so we had all this information. He had to stay up in uh, Medical College of Georgia. He had to have blood transfusions. Uh, they were trying to get a, a plan of care. They, the tumor was so large that they could not safely operate in it because it had invaded his liver, his spleen, and part of his, his right kidney because it was in the, the left kidney. Wow. And part of it had started to invade the right kidney. So it was way complicated by the time that it was discovered. And I felt really guilty. I said, how is it that he could have that much tumor in him and we not know it? it yeah. And what the, what the doctor said is because it is such a rapid growing tumor mm -hmm. that it, what any nutrition that he was getting, it was, the tumor was eating it up. So, so it was it, like feeding it. Yeah. So yeah. it just was growing, growing. So wow. the plan then was for him to get chemotherapy to shrink the tumor mm -hmm. so that the surgeons could go in and remove it. Right. That was the plan. So we started on chemotherapy and he we had to go from, from Hinesville to Augusta uh, two or three times a week to, for him to have chemotherapy up there. Wow. So it was a hard trip going in. A, if I remember, it was 200 and something miles. I can't remember now. Wow. But it was, it was a... You couldn't just get in the car and just drive around the corner. Right. So we did that, and it looked the the appearance of it was that it was shrinking. And within me, because I am a woman of faith, mm -hmm. the Lord had spoke to me and said that it was just hiding. Wow. And so while the appearance that was that it was shrinking, it was just growing deeper inside of him, wow. and so. They did, after about mm, a month or so, they did another CAT scan. And 
they said, you know, the surgeon came in because the surgeon was wanting to perform to remove it. Right. He said, if I go in and operate, he's going to die on the table because he's going to bleed to death because it's that invasive in the liver. And so what they wanted to do, let's do radiation therapy. Okay. And with the radiation therapy, uh, that is a chemotherapy is already hard and you have to remember 25 years ago they didn't have all these wonderful medications that help with nausea right so there was severe nauseation severe so he was throwing up all the time he had no appetite mm -hmm. and so we went through radiation and chemotherapy and yet and still the tumor grow or grew so it it's like sometimes there are the facts that we have medically this mm -hmm. is the best tumor to, this is the best cancer to have if you're going to have one to survive and to survive yeah and honestly i have met nobody that have survived it wow. even though even though the the you know the statistics are there so there there are people that have lived through it but i simply have not met any of them and so i always said okay but anyway um so from diagnosis to death Mm -hmm. was exactly six months exactly six months exactly i think we were wow. we were told that on september 19th because it was right after the labor day weekend it and was right before my birthday yes okay. and so right around the 16th 19th or something like that of september october november december so and he died march 19th wow so and the the his hair fell out mm -hmm. and his body figure changed yeah. because uh, at the end he wanted to be we wanted him to be home for Christmas because he was in and out of the hospital mm -hmm. and he was home for that last Christmas but the day after he went back to the hospital That's it. and when he went back to the hospital it was the they did another cat scan I, I keep saying cat scan because I believe that's what it was okay uh, and they called at what's called a case conference. And so the psychiatrist was there, the oncologist was there, the surgeon was there, the social worker was there. Mm -hmm. Anybody that was a part of his treatment team was there. Okay. And they put the images up on a, a board that had a illumination device behind it. And the doctor told me, he said, when I turn this switch on, any area that you see that is gray, that is cancer. And when he flipped the switch from his shoulders down through his his growing area, it was shadowed. Wow. That's where the cancer was everywhere. And so at that point, they said there is nothing. By that time, the doctor, he was crying. He said there is nothing that we can do anymore. Wow. And And so... I asked a question, what are we supposed to do? He said, if this were my child, I would take him home from this hospital and I would let him die with his front, with his family at home. Wow. He said, I would contact a funeral, sir, a funeral or mortician mm -hmm. and make plans. Did, did all of this cost a lot of money? Like the, the chemotherapy and the visits up to and from yes. Augusta and whatnot? Yes. The, the uh, hospital bill were, they were enormous. Wow. 
but because we were the working poor mm-hmm. or the poorly working, right. I don't know which one you want to call it, we didn't have any money. We qualified for Medicaid because of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And Medicaid, thank God, paid for his hospital bills. His hospital bills, what I remember, and I saved a lot of them. Mm-hmm. One in particular, his hospital bill was $300,000. And you're talking about 20-something years ago. So in that, in, in comparison to today, it's probably in the millions. Wow. And that was just one hospital stay. Um, were there any, like, bills that the Medicaid didn't uh, cover? Well, the, the Medicare didn't cover the cost of us riding up and forth, back and forth to Augusta. Okay. And if we went up there, we had, one person had to stay up there. So right. we slept in his room. Uh, if you wanted to get a hotel, you had to pay it for out of your own money, you know, right. out of your own pocket. It's just the the cost of surviving in two different cities was was very difficult. Wow. And that does not, it's not covered. And like I said, we were the working poor. So how were we like able to like pay for our bills back then? Well, I was working at the school as a um, paraprofessional. Was that at Button Gwinnett? At Button Gwinnett in Hinesville. And your father was a janitor there. Okay. He was a custodian there. Wait, so I didn't know that dad worked there too. Yep, he was a custodian there. Wow, I just always thought he was he was just military and just the pastor at the church. I didn't know that you and him were both working up. Yeah, he was he was there as well. Wow. And I I, I don't know when he stopped. I I it's all foggy now. I can't remember that part of it. Mm-hmm. But we were working there, and our insurance. I had. Uh, health insurance. Maybe he had stopped by then. I don't know. Don't quote me on that now. Maybe okay. he had stopped. I had health ins- I had uh, life insurance through my job. Right. So when they told us about Modi, uh, that he was going to die, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if people feel, believe in visions and all this stuff, but the Lord gave me this vision. And in this vision, I saw this funeral home. And he told me to go to this particular funeral home. I had never seen this funeral home before. Right. So I got my best friend, which she still is my best friend. My godmama. Yeah, fairy godmother, Cindy Jones. Yeah. I got her and I said, please do not tell anybody that I'm telling you this, but would you please ride with me to find this building that I saw in this vision? Did you and fairy godmama meet before or after Modi was diagnosed? We met the week before. Wow. The week before. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, because they had just, I, we had went, I had went to North Carolina for my family reunion, mm-hmm. and uh, your father didn't go, and they came to visit the church that, the Willis's came to visit the church that Sunday that I was gone. Wow. And so when I got back, uh, I met them. And then the, the following week, Modi was diagnosed. Wow. So you were you were you asked her to like go with you to meet this uh to find this, this building uh, this building okay yes. so we drove if, in Hinesville I went to all the the mortuaries that I knew mm-hmm. which were not very many there I got something on my face Stefan says <laughs> he can't let me just see about <laughs> but I went to um, all the places and I couldn't find this building and so I said well I guess it's just in my imagination. And so we were on our way back from Richmond Hill going back to Hinesville. Okay. And instead of going the regular way, 
I just said I didn't feel like that traffic that goes that way, so I went the long way. Right. And when I went the long way, we were driving, and I, I saw the building that I saw, and I said, "That's the building that I saw right there." And so it didn't have a sign on it. It didn't have anything. It didn't even look like a mortuary. Right. And I said, I we turned around, and I they had a driveway. I parked in the driveway. And I'm like, this is the building that I saw. Really, it is. So we went inside, and I, you know, I knocked on the door, and and the lady said, "Come on in, come on in," and I hesitantly said, "Is this a funeral home?" She said, "Yes." Our sign broke, fell down, and we were we're in the midst of getting the new sign put up. That's why the sign is not out there. Wow. And so she brought me in. It was called. It was Pierce, Pierce, uh, Mr. Pierce. He owned the. Uh, mortuary. From your knowledge, is that mortuary still there or funeral home still there? It is still there, but they have not in that same location. They mm-hmm. bought a, a better one, and and now they are really they were really good before I left there. So wow. So uh, Mr. Pierce came out. I t- I told the lady, the receptionist, what my dilemma was. Mm-hmm. I said my son has been diagnosed with terminal cancer, mm-hmm. and they have sent him home to die. I said, I want to make his funeral preparations while he can go in the wooden box. I said, because if he dies or when he dies, I have to have the golden casket. So okay. I said, so that it's, I can be realistic. I can, I want to do that now. So Mr. Pierce, who is the owner of it, mm-hmm. he came out and he, he began, he, I showed him the, the amount of life insurance I had. And he told me, he said, Whatever is more than this, I will pay it. He said, wow. so you don't have to worry about it. Whatever it is, I'm going to take care of it. Wow. I said, thank you. And he said, this contract between you and I will be good for a year. He said, and we hope that he lives through it. Right. Because at the end of the year, we'll just tear it up. Right. And I hope I never use this, have to use it. Mm-hmm. And we made, that day I sat there with my best friend and I made the, the funeral arrangements, wow. the programs, the casket, everything. Like we picked it out right then wow. and we left. And he said, if or when you need me, you call me directly. And he gave me his card with his direct phone number on it. Mm-hmm. He said, you call me and I'll be there. Well, why was it important that um, like uh, Ferry not tell anybody like about your dream or about you going to visit this uh this uh, building that you saw in your dream? Well, there was a big dilemma and a controversy mm-hmm. um, that if I would have enough faith that Modi would be healed. Mm-hmm. It was a, a religious thing, a church thing. Right. And so people thought that I lack faith. Right. And because of my lack of faith, that's why he wasn't getting any better. Was that from like members of the congregation, or was that like, like the preachers or anything like that? Both. Wow. Your father was—he was a great believer that Modi was going to be healed. Mm-hmm. I said, and the Lord gave me that perfect healing is to be with God. Right. So to be healed meant to mean meant that he would die on this side and then be in heaven with God. Yes. Wow. And so that's what the Lord gave me. So because everybody else was saying, oh, he's going to live, he's going to live, God's going to heal him. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, 
he's gonna die. And I told the people, I said, who more than me would want him to die? He came from my body. Right. I have no no reason to want him to die, but I know what the Lord spoke to me and said. Right. So when when I, and then it confirmed it when I saw this building that I didn't know anything of. Right. But in Richmond Hill of all places. But it wasn't in Richmond Hill. It oh. was in it was what is that called? Riceboro. It's the Riceboro part oh, coming down that long okay. way by that by school. Uh, uh, like Riceboro Rit- Midway area or no. the other way? The one, if you keep straight down 84, or 82, whatever that is, mm-hmm. the Riceboro that comes after that part. Okay. So it, it, it was just, you know, it was <coughs> the building that I saw was exactly what I saw in my dreams, in my vision. And so we made the, made the, the arrangements and the, the benefit of that was that the day when Modi died, mm. he died at home. Right. And when he died, we called the coroner of Liberty County. Okay. And when he came, he he didn't want anything to do with him because I had he was also the cor- the county coroner. And I told him that I had Mr. Pierce was going to take care of his body. Right. So the coroner at that time, and I do know his name, I, mm-hmm. I just won't say it. Okay. But he refused to sign the death certificate, and he refused to pronounce him. Wow. Because, and, I, and it, I believe it was because that he wasn't going to get our business because we already had funeral arrangements. funeral arrangements through another, his competition. But I knew nothing about this. Wow. So I called Mr. Pierce. He asked me, do you want me to bring the hearse? Mm-hmm. Or do you want me to bring the van? Mm-hmm. I said, just bring the van. Okay. And he brought it, and he, he, he took Modi out. Uh, your father carried him down the stairs. He died upstairs in his room. Mm-hmm. Your father carried him downstairs, and Mr. Pierce took him when he got downstairs, and then he, he took him out to the van. Mm-hmm. But the, I just say that it's how God intervenes, and we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Because all this was preparation for... For Modi's death, he right. showed me the person that would help me. Mm-hmm. Not only did he help me, he he, he paid over right. what we did not have. He came and got Modi. Mm-hmm. We buried him with him. Right. And the the county coroner would not even sign the death certificate. Wow. So, I I know that God has a way in everything. Wow. Um. So like, the. I just remember the day Modi died, like, we would all, like, as a normal day, we'd all go up and say say bye to him before we went to school and that we'd see him later mm-hmm. and whatever. And I just remember he would always, like, him and Nicole would always go back and forth, like, me and Quaylen do, I guess. Yes. Or maybe even worse, I don't know. But um, on that day specifically, like, I just remember him apologizing to her. And it's like, I feel like he was almost, uh, whew, this is tough. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Him and Nicole had a, this back and forth relationship. But the morning when all the kids went out to school, he, he stopped Nicole and he said, Nicole, I love you. And that was the first thing that, we everybody was astonished because they always fought 
and he died that day. Yeah. Man. Yes. See, Stefan's still there. He's still the little boy in him. Yeah. But Modi was a special. He was a special guy. He was... If if you knew him, you would have loved him. Because he was just that kind of dude. And always complimenting his... His, he was in severe pain at the end of his life, where, when he, anytime he had to urinate, it his urine would be so hot coming out, and it would be so much pain that he would be screaming to the top of his lungs when he had to use the bathroom. So he tried to hold it, and when he couldn't hold it anymore, he would just scream and scream and scream. So, I was glad that. He left us because he was in a lot of pain. But he never did complain about the pain. If you ask him a question, he said, I'm fine. How you doing, Modi? Fine. Fine. He always found the good in other people. When he went to the hospital, he talked. He told the, the doctor she smelled good. She had some very nice perfume on. He told the, do the other doctor his, he loved his shoes. We, no one even saw the man's shoes. So we all started looking at his shoes. And... For sure, he had some brand new shoes on, so he was that kind of guy. Um, I also remember like, just, I don't know, after, when we came back to the house that day after school, like, I don't ever really remember being told specifically that Modi died. I just remember like, Dad pulling us to the side of the apartment complex, and we were like, "Okay, so where's Modi?" and, and like. He didn't necessarily tell us, but he was just like, oh, he's asleep. And I'm, and me being six years old at the time, I'm like, okay, so why can't we just go wake him up and play with him? And, like, he was just like, he's asleep right now. Like, I don't ever remember necessarily, like, being told that he died until, like, maybe, like, the night we called everybody over to the house. I think that was the, the same night he died, where everybody was in the, the living room and then that like was before he died, yeah. that was before he died yes and we were passing out tissues or whatever but I, like i don't necessarily remember like crying until like the day of the funeral wow and like because i i just thought he was just sleep you know because that's what i was being told but like i i just remember like it really hitting home when we were sitting in front of uh in the front pew at powerhouse mm -hmm. And then, like, we're all in our suits or whatever, and then people were coming up and giving us hugs or whatever. And I don't necessarily remember crying until that day, mm. which was kind of weird. Well, not, not so. You were just six. You were just six. I know your crazy father told you that stupid line. Yeah. Don't look at me telling, talking about your crazy father. <laughs> That's I, why we're divorced. I just, I just remember, like, him pulling us to the side and just, just telling him, like, he maybe told us that he died or whatever, but, like, from the words that I can't remember, he said, like, he said that he's sleep. Maybe he said he sleep with Jesus. I don't know. Yeah. But I, if if you did not know, I did not know that you did not know because I thought your father was t had told you guys. So, ah. see, that was, that was the communication. And that's the thing about when a child dies, 
um, most marriages end in divorce, mm-hmm. and ours did. Right. Because the two individuals tend to grieve differently. Right. And or either they grieve separately, mm-hmm. and there is a separation there that sometimes is unrepairable. Mm. And that has that occurred in our life. Wow. Um. Hmm. If if Modi were still alive today, what kind of man do you think he would have been or turned out to be? I think he would have been a mixture of you and James, um, but the better parts of both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're listening to this, James. Right, right. <laughs> the better part of the two of you. And I think that he would have kept you in the line a little bit better than I could have. Because <laughs> he, he probably would have just like Stefan. Because right. I remember when he, one day we were in the hospital mm-hmm. and we were, Modi was in his, his the hospital bed sleeping mm-hmm. and he woke up and he said, Stefan, stop jumping on my bed. <laughs> and later on that day, we found out that Stefan was at school jumping on the table. Wow. About that same time that Modi was saying, get off my bed, stop jumping on my bed. Wow. So I think things would have been different between you and him mm-hmm. because me and your father lost lost a child but you lost your best friend. Yeah. And I, I think you hadn't really gotten over that. Yeah, I think I still haven't gotten over That's it That's what to I'm saying day. now. Um, Did y'all hear me? He hmm. really hasn't gotten over it. That's what I said. Um, I just... I'm, I, f- I feel like I find out new information about what happened with Modi as I get older. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know the reason why, but it's maybe it's because like I don't ask enough questions or don't True. reach out and say what happened. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just feel like um, as I'm getting older now, and now that I have like my own podcast, I feel like why not learn more now? Um, like earlier when I was getting ready for this podcast and I was in the shower and whatnot. Like, um, I know I had this idea. I know you and I haven't, like, gotten to know each other. And we've we've said to each other, like, you don't necessarily know me or I don't yes. necessarily know you. So, like, I have this idea that, like, maybe weekly I can invite you onto my podcast and we can just, I'll call a segment, like, having conversations with my mom and, like, we can take that time to get to know each other. I won't necessarily have to make an outline because we can just freestyle really and just basically get to know each other better. And like, I can ask questions of you about stuff that I want to know. And you can ask questions about me, about uh, whatever you want to know. And then that way to give us a chance to know each other better, because I feel like I've had so much, um, anger inside and like some emotions that like i i don't necessarily know how to express and i feel like um i think it's a good idea Stefan, because it it opening up this new line of communication probably will help heal our relationship as well because a part of what's wrong with you is that when Modi died, a part of me died. And I did not know how to respond to you and your brother. And because you were so young, 
I, I was messed up myself because I was grieving something that was unexplainable. No one I knew could, could help me through it. And in the midst of that, your father and I got divorced. So we had major catastrophic situations that happened. And in the midst of it, children are often left to figure out just like I didn't even know that you this sleep, whole thing about sleeping Lord Jesus that is that's crazy because uh, I I've pretty much been an open communicator I think and I probably just thought your father told you because he took you guys out to say something so, I'm sorry that's <sighs> fine Ma. um do you have any final comments that or thoughts that you want to Say before we end this particular podcast. I, a couple of things. Okay. I, I think that it's important that if you have ch- small children or big children, you make sure that they have life insurance. Because sometimes children die and you have to prepare for their funerals. The other thing is that when a child dies, it does wreak havoc on the family. And normally, African-American families, people, they are more hesitant to receive or go to counseling. But sometimes it takes that to navigate these areas. So I say, go to counseling, go to get a therapist. I don't care, get a therapist. Uh, talk about your feelings, talk about your anger, talk about the situation that has you stuck. And and then God is always there. I'm going to always go back to God because I didn't have a therapist. I didn't have a family and that my, my, my family did help me, but my marriage, my family unit fell apart at that time. And that scarred me. And if I could have done things differently, maybe I, if I would have known different things, I probably would have done things differently. So I don't know. But I will say this. It is why I am a nurse today because of Timotheus. I am a nurse because we had fantastic nurses that took care of my family while he was sick. And I told myself, that I wanted to give back to a profession that gave me and my family so much when I didn't know anything. And the final closing, I want to share with you the night that Modi died. Okay. Or the morning that Modi died. He died at 9.15 on a Friday morning, March the 13th, March the 19th, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do because he, he had regress we had a we had to put a pamper back on him because of the severe urination burning so when he let it go it went everywhere so we put him back on pampers he could barely drink or eat and he said that we so we got him a bottle Mm -hmm. and he said he wanted orange juice but we only had one bottle so we got put the orange juice on then he drank a little bit he said he wanted milk so we had to pour that out and and get milk in it mm-hmm. and he would drunk about maybe like a drop or two on each of those but in the end I I asked him was he scared and he said he said he was scared and he said that there was something in the room with him and he pointed up into a corner of the room 
and I began to pray for him. I said, you don't have to worry about it because Jesus is going to be with you. And his favorite song was Zacchaeus was a wee little man. So if you know that song at all, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. and we, So we sung that together. And I just remember putting my arms up underneath him. And I said, you have been a good boy, Modi. Your mom, I love you. Your dad loves you. Stephen and James love you. I said, I want you to go look for Jesus. And when I said that, his heart stopped. And I felt whatever that presence was in the room with him, it took him with him. And before he died, I said, are you afraid? After we prayed and sung, he said, I'm not afraid. And that's when I said, go look for Jesus. And he died instantly. So I'm saying God has been good to me and my family. And if you have children, love them. Even if they're big. So for Stefan, this has been the most emotions that I've seen in a little while. So it's back in your hand, Wavy Will. Uh, <clears throat> Mama, thank you for being on this show with me. Uh, My pleasure. This is really tough. Um, I'll be glad to have you back on my show anytime, Mom. Um, But for those who are listening or who are going to be listening, I hope you enjoyed the show and make sure you like, comment, and Tell me about some of your thoughts on this episode. So long.